Welcome, friends, to the Miles with Marty podcast. This is home base for running community love, and we're sponsored by Squirrels Nut Butter. Spread the lube, and your blister and chafing problems will go away. You can thank me later. This episode is dedicated to Elvis Presley. I know they say dogs are man's best friend, but in this case, my little black cat is my best friend and has been for the last 13 years. Rest in peace, little buddy. This is episode four, and we're going to shake things up a little bit this time. I wasn't really happy with the way things turned out in episode three, and so I'm going to go back to the basics and share what I really love about running, the awesome running community and races. Sure, we're going to keep sharing runner stories because I have so many great guests in the hopper, and they have some amazing stories of epic adventures that I can't help but want to share with you all. Until then, we're just going to overload you with race recaps and stories and running community love stories. Last weekend, I had the opportunity to run the Carolina Reaper Ghost Pepper Challenge in Anderson, South Carolina. It was a 50K put on by Upstate Ultras. Stay tuned for an interview with race director Matt Hammersmith after my recap. I came across this gem of a race by searching for a marathon or longer distance race in the summer in the state of South Carolina. As I've shared before, I am an aspiring 50-stater and wanted to get to my 15th state before the end of the year, and I've pretty much got races just about every month booked up throughout the year in repeat states, so I needed to get it done in July. I have a goal race in Florida on the first weekend in August, and so I was looking for something that I could take advantage of some heat training and get a nice supported long run in. Carolina Reaper fit all the bills. It's a 2.62 mile loop race and is at a community center in Anderson, South Carolina, and it's mostly asphalt. There's probably 100, 150 yards on a little bike trail that is grass, gravel, and some dirt trail, and it's about the only shaded part on the whole course, so I ended up looking forward to that little section every loop. The race organizers call this race the hottest race this side of Death Valley and six feet from the Reaper himself. Now, I don't know if that's accurate about being the hottest race this side of Death Valley, but it was pretty damned hot, I will give you that. As I mentioned before, it's a 2.62 mile loop and you have 45 minutes to complete each loop. If you finish in 30 minutes, then you've got 15 minutes to rest, cool off, get some food, whatever you need to do, and then the next loop starts after 45 minutes. Since this race was three weeks before my goal race of River to Sea, I went into it with a game plan of sticking to heart rate and letting that determine my pace. My hopes were to have 10 to 15 minutes between each loop to refill my fluids, cool off, and restock any fuel that I may need to carry with me for that 30 to 35 minute loop. My target heart rate for the first 10 miles was 130 beats per minute or less, and I quickly figured out that that was not going to be an option. I could have done it and kept it at that heart rate, but I would have been real close to restart time if I would have used that as my pace. So I quickly adjusted on the fly and changed that to 140 beats per minute. First two loops were 32 minutes, and I think my third loop slowed down to 33 minutes to maintain that same heart rate. During the third loop, which would have been a mile five and a quarter to mile seven and three quarters roughly, I started getting warm and uh, I decided at the end of my third loop, which was about a 33 minute 
loop to break out the old ice bandana. Thanks to the Nathan's ice bandana because I used that sucker from that point on and needed it. The race directors had asked for participants to bring a bag of ice and donate to the community kiddie pool right past the finish line. And so the first thing I did at the end of each loop after loop three was to go over there and refill my ice bandana with ice. It would usually melt in the 30 or so minutes that it took me to make my loop. One thing my awesome coach taught me is to put that ice in a Ziploc baggie and then put it down in the ice bandana. If not, the water when it melts will go right down your back and down into your shoe and then you've got Blister City and that is no bueno. After about five loops, which is basically a half marathon, it's pretty warm and there's a, like a slight incline on the back side of the loop that may be, I don't know, 75 feet of elevation gain over a mile and it's in pretty much direct sun. That sucker, each loop seems more and more like a mountain. As with most races, there's a whole lot of people that are saving their energy and power hiking up that little bit of an incline out in the sun, but then you've got a select few and they're flying up that sucker like they're running downhill. There have been so many cases in my very short racing experience when I see all those people power hiking and I decide, I train in hills all the time, I'm going to blow past those people. I'm not that guy anymore, at least not on this day, because I've got big goals and my next big goal is a 50 mile PR at River to Sea. And so I'm treating this race as a training race, so I'm sticking to the plan. Keep my eyes on that heart rate. Right around the fifth lap, my friend Mike Martinez and his awesome sister Kim, who is like the world champion crew chief, showed up and they began to help me to refill my ice bags and to get fuel for me, refill my water bottles and things like that. So I was able to spend more time in the chair cooling off. And believe me, that was important because it was slowly but surely getting hotter and hotter with each loop. I forgot to mention that for this race there were three different distances. A 50k which is 12 loops, the marathon which is 10 loops, and the half marathon which was 5 loops. There were also relay runners doing I guess the 50k and the marathon. Not 100% sure about that. But anyway, the marathoners started after two loops for the 50k runners and then the half marathoners started after seven loops. So at each of those points lap three and lap eight there were additional runners in the starting group and so it got thicker and thicker for the first mile of the loop during those loops and then it would spread out. Of course with each new addition of runners the energy level would pick up and so that was a good thing and I would also say that that this community that Upstate Ultras has built, there were hundreds of people that were wearing the Upstate Ultra shirts and singlets and representing that community, and they were all super supportive and uplifting and, and did a great job volunteering at the race. The next few loops were uneventful, except for the fact that it continued to get hotter, and so I adjusted my speed a little bit to account for the heart rate. I did raise my beats per minute to 150 after 15 miles that kind of went along the same pace but heart rate starts drifting a little bit the hotter it gets with about three loops to go i started thinking about that last loop and that reminds me about this uh, podcast interview i heard with a guy named dr tim noakes and he talks about the central governor theory and that's how our minds kind of limit our body's performance by adjusting to whatever the performance is required for that day so if i'm doing a 50k then my body pretty much shuts off about 
48k because it knows it's almost there but if i'm doing 100k then the body keeps on performing until about oh 97k something like that and it's weird how no matter what the distance your body feels like you're completely finished when or right before it's time for the race to be over i started thinking to myself if i can just get the next two loops done then i can walk that last loop <laughs> Silly me. I thought, surely there's no 45 minute limit on the last loop, but I was wrong. And I'm really glad that I was because that I would have cheated myself if I had not run that last loop. My friend Mike came up to me right before the start of the last loop and told me that I should run this loop for this friend of ours who was going through some severe health issues that had come from dehydration and heat problems that they had suffered at Badwater. So I spent that last loop praying and thinking about our mutual friend that had just gotten back from Badwater, and it went by really quickly. It was not painless, but it went by really quickly, and I finished the race. The way they decide the placement, the winners for this race, is they take the combined running time, and the people with the you know best times are the winners or to podium finishes or whatever. I certainly did not even get close to finishing on the podium, but I did get a PR for the 50K distance. Now, it's not really an official PR because there were periods of time that we were stopped and not running with the clock stopped, but I will take it as a personal victory considering how hot it was and the fact that I pretty much ran that easy effort for the entire 31.44 miles. I finished in 6 hours and 55 minutes. Believe it or not, I think the winning time was like 3 hours and 25 minutes. I may be a back of the packer, but I will not let comparison be a thief of my joy. You can count on that. So overall, I will rate my experience at the Carolina Reaper Ghost Pepper Challenge 50K as a 10 out of 10. I love the race. I love the community. The race directors were awesome. Uh, they had a Maverick Top Gun theme, and the two co-owners of Upstate Ultra and race directors were dressed up like Maverick and Goose. They just had, did an awesome job. They do a race, I believe it's in January, that's uh, called the Snowbird Challenge, which is the same format. It's just freezing cold instead of burning hot. So you can probably expect to see me over there uh, in the winter. One trait that is probably not good if you're an aspiring 50-stater is the desire to repeat races that you fall in love with. Next up for me is the River to Sea 12-hour race in Marineland, Florida. I look forward to catching up with some good friends from the Florida ultra-running community and having a great time and making a run at a 50-mile PR. Hopefully my body and the conditions will cooperate with me for a good result. I plan to talk to a bunch of epic people and get some good live commentary and to have a River to Sea episode coming soon. Stay tuned now for our interview with race director Matt Hammersmith with Upstate Ultras and Without Limits Coaching. Okay, welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got with me Matt Hammersmith from Upstate Ultras. He's a race director and also a coach. So first we're going to go into the race directing side of it and talk about a previous race that we've had maybe and also upcoming races that they direct. They have quite a few in the South Carolina area. I'll just tell you my quick experience with it. I was looking for something in South Carolina in the summertime just for my 50 state thing, anything marathon distance or longer, and came across this Carolina Reaper Challenge, Ghost Pepper Challenge, 
on uh, Ultra Sign Up, I think it was, or maybe Run Sign Up. But anyway, it looked intriguing to me because I have a goal race in August in Florida that's very hot, and I wanted some heat training, and I wanted to do about a 50K out in the heat and not too technical trails, and that fit all the bills. It was, it was perfect, and so I went over there last weekend, actually, and ran the race, and it was awesome. The support of the community was great over there. The community that Matt and his uh, volunteers have built up over there was awesome. It was just an amazing experience, and I will certainly be back to run more of their races. And so you can look that up online. I'm sure he'll tell you how to find them. And uh, without further ado, I welcome uh, Matt Hammersmith. Welcome, Matt. Hey, Marty. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, so... I have been, uh, oh man, directing races for about nine years now uh, through Upstate Ultra. Uh, if you want to find any of our races, you can go to www.upstateultra.com. Uh, as Marty alluded to, uh, we just got done wrapping up the Carolina Reaper Challenge, which is probably one of our top five or six races that we host. Uh, Marty wanted me to talk about some of our bigger races. We've got uh, Country Mile, um, Conquer the Rock, uh, Sadler's Creek. Um, you know, Snowbird, uh, I put on a 5K race series. So those are some of our bigger ones. But we have everything from trail half marathons to beer 5Ks to relays. Uh, and I also um, am the vice president of a local nonprofit youth running club. So we put on youth races and youth events uh, throughout the summer. I actually got practice tonight. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about that in the coaches' corner. But yeah, I, I, I direct personally 30 races a year, and I time about 25 of them. So my weekends is kind of funny. Marty and I have been playing phone tag and trying to find a time to, to sit down and do this. And this is probably one of four weekends a year that I don't have a race. So it's been uh, kind of nice to have, uh, have have some downtime to get on some podcasts, which I need to be working on my own. So, well, thank you, for Marty, for having me on. Glad to have you. So uh, tell me how you feel about the experience from this weekend's race. Did it go well from the RD standpoint? Yeah, yeah, everything, man, top to bottom. We had two, uh, we had one uh, medical emergency, I think, uh, uh, just two individuals that were cramping severely a lot. I mean, it, you know, when, when a race, you know, a race starts at 9 a.m. and it's already 85 degrees and finishes at 6 p.m. and it's, uh, you know, feels like 105, you're going to have cramping issues, dehydration. But uh, but from from the standpoint of the race and timing and results and just the atmosphere from the packet pickup and, and the aid station and the, the lemonade uh, slushies that were rolling around. We had a, uh, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm blessed because we have a volunteer base that's been very helpful and just the runners in general, especially, you know, Marty, that was your first experience with us. What, what my goal is is to have enough club members that I support through all the races that we do that they're the ones that are kind of my ambassadors and they're the ones trying to help out the, the newbies like hey where do you go where should you set up uh, you know, what's the style of race like you know those are the people that I try to direct a lot of my questions to because they have the first hand experience um, which is di- a, a completely different experience than what I have on the back end you know the stress of you know doing the, the bib assignments and the timing and the, and the chips and the t-shirt orders and it's just you know it, it can't be a nice there, but when I show up on race day and we have experience like we did last Saturday, uh, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, well, it worked out really well because I know there were tons of people with uh, shirts on with uh, 
the South Carolina Ultra Marathon or either Upstate Ultra shirt. So there were plenty of people to ask questions to, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Our Scum Club, we've got about uh, 800 club members, and basically the way that works is you pay uh, 15 or 25 You can pay $25 for a family membership next year or $15 for an individual. And you get a club jersey and you get 20% off all my races. And we have, like, club socials. We've got a point series that if you run up to five races, you can score with your age group. So we try to do enough to engage the community that we live in or that I live in um, just because, you know, when I knew when I was, I was growing up, I didn't know what a road 5K was until I was probably 18 or 19, and let alone what a trail race was or an ultra race was. So it's uh, we, we are really blessed up here in the upstate uh, here in, in South Carolina, so uh, I'm only doing my part to kind of to kind of get back to it. That sounds good. So tell me about some of these upcoming races you have. So, I mean... <laughs> My fall is my busiest. Not only am I directing my own races, uh, I'm also timing probably 15 others and cross-country races and stuff. But uh, right now, actually, what I'm looking forward to, and it's a very small event. I actually think we only have 25 people signed up. We, we do this thing called uh, Trail Camp for Big Kids. It's basically like a three-day weekend where we go up. Um, uh, this year, it's actually changed. We used to go up to Mount Mitchell and just kind of camp out and hike and run. Uh, now we're going to um, uh, kind of near Jones Gap. So we're going to be doing a lot of the state parks uh, in the foothills area along the foothills trail which is being kind of nice so that's called the uh, just the, the um, trail camp for big kids uh after that we've got uh the back nine which is a uh, uh now it's a 36 hour uh 12 hour six hour uh timed event uh we've got jones gap half marathon we've got paris mountain half marathon uh one of our bigger ones sadler's creek is coming up uh it's kind of a 30 uh 30 plus hour option on it uh we also have um Charlie Bertata is just a nonprofit race uh, up there, uh, just across the border at a vineyard. So, I mean, I, I've got I've got I think twelve races in the re- the remaining twenty weekends that we have coming up. Wow, that's a lot. So, you say uh, the longest is a thirty six hour race? Is that right? Yeah, we've got. Um, we're going to be limiting that next year. I mean, if you go to our website, you're going to see 30 events uh, spaced out. We've got, like I said, we got our Brewery 5 series. We've got some shorter events. Um, but we, we, we do offer, uh, we will be offering next year, the Country Mile, which is our 48-hour events. Uh, Sadler's Creek will be our 30-hour events. Um, and I'm not sure exactly which other ones we're going to keep as for the 30 hours. But, um, but just so stay tuned. Stay on UpstateUltra.com and you'll see our schedule. So it seemed like I, just one of them in particular I looked at was, uh, seemed like it was the back nine, and you said that was a 36, 12, and 6 hours, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, we're, we're working on making that race out at Furman University in future years, but right now it's going to actually be at an old, uh, um, it's at a nature preserve um, uh, with this nonprofit that we kind of work with that hosts a lot of our youth races. And it's a, a loop race? Yeah, a loop race, yep. About how long a lot is that of our loop? events. I mean, we're you know, so, so we're we're kind of known for loop races, uh, but we also have some of the more scenic and and um, you know desired one like Conquer the Rock. It's got a, it's a uh, two loop twenty five k. You know, it kind of summits uh, Pinnacle and Table Rock, and we've got the Sassafras Mountain Run. It's an eight k race all the way up to the tallest point in South Carolina. So we've got some really cool, unique races, but a, a lot of our races are kind of surrounded by this idea that we just want to bring people together. You know, cover distances, run fast you know times or slow times it doesn't matter and just try to be a community and, and kind of hang out for the weekend 
Yeah. Well, that's one thing I learned. A lot of my ultra running friends kind of frown when I tell them about loop races, but my experience has been there's so much positivity and support and community in those short loops because everybody gets to know each other, and it's just an awesome experience for me anyway. Yeah, Yeah, there's nothing against point-to-point races. Those are amazing. Those are like... Like those are the ones that are on the bucket list, right? Like that's right. the ones that you want to do, and, and you want to see all the sites and eat all the aid station food at every checkpoint, which is great. It's fantastic, but I think you know, it, one, it's difficult to do it in our area. You know, we've got the Foothills Trail, but that's a that's a kind of a, a hands off, uh, no event kind of kind of location. But all of our other races are held in state parks, and you know, I. I the most I can get out of most of these parks is about 25k, 15 and a half miles. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just tough to put on these point-to-point events in our area. I'm not saying it can't be done. I just know logistically, with my experience and my skill level, I'm, I'm more focused on the community. Uh, it's not to say that I don't want to do a point-to-point. Uh, just I, it just might take me a couple more years to to kind of get it all sorted out. But, but yeah, yeah, uh, I, I love the community-based looped events. I mean, there's just you know there's something about them that you don't really get at point-to-point races. And some of our time theme races where where, you know, you're given a certain amount of time to complete a loop. It's amazing because you've got these six-minute milers up front and you've got these 25-minute milers in the back. But guess what? They start and finish the timed loop every single, you know, they, you know, within nine minutes apart. They're starting together and they're finishing, you know, eight or nine minutes apart, which is it's cool because, you know, the, these last-place finishers don't feel lonely. That There's people cheering them on trying to get them to the finish with, you know, ten seconds to go, nine seconds to go. So, yeah, I yeah. think there's, uh, there's definitely a place in ultra running for that. It's not just for, you know, point-to-point races or all-trail races or whatever. Right. Sounds good. Well, man, I sure appreciate you coming on and talking about that. Have you got anything else in the race side that you want to talk about before we move on to the coaching side? No, I, I just I just want to say I appreciate you, you reaching out. It's always nice to have other RDs uh, at our events. Um, just just from the standpoint of like you know, it, it was my goal last year to try to get back. And I don't race as much as I'd like to, and my time is limited. But when I do have a chance, I want to support local races and local RDs because, you know, we, we want to bring more people to the dark side, as, as most of us say. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that tow the line for these marathons, these road races. Uh, I would love to get some of them over here to the trail side. So I think it's going to be a collaboration of race directors together to make that happen. Great. Sounds like a good point to end on. Well, that was actually my buddy Mike Martinez that was there with me. That was the race yeah. director. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, he directs up, what, five races down, six, seven, eight races down there? I think so, yeah, about that yeah. many. It's uh, yeah. Runners for Recovery down in the Jacksonville area, and he's under yeah. uh, Sober Sombrero running, I believe. But anyway, well, we'll wrap up this uh, race director side. I sure appreciate your input, and uh, we'll move right over to the coaching. Yeah, I've been. Okay, we've got Matt Hammersmith here with Ope State Ultras and Without Limits Coaching, and he's going to share some tips with us on how to be a better or more efficient, healthy runner. Marty, thank you for having me. I have, uh, I've actually been coaching for, I'd say, right around 11 years. I started off uh, coaching um, Hayes Slauson Middle School as a, I was kind of a jumping specialist, long jump and high jump that's kind of actually what i did in middle school and then i moved on to coaching at ann arbor high near high school high school i coached there for a year uh, our boys team uh, placed third at the state meet uh then i coached a little bit at eastern michigan as a volunteer assistant uh and that was before moving down here and i've coached at several local high schools here in the area uh before uh working as a private coach uh, through without limits and we have a youth group and an adult program 
um, and we coach anybody from the age of six to basically sixty-six. So, um, yeah, that's kind of our that's kind of my intro into coaching. I've been doing it, uh, you know, uh, not as long as I've been running, obviously, but I've, I've taken kind of what I've learned. Um, as a lifelong runner, I kind of started off uh, as an athlete early on in elementary school, and, and I remember doing the uh, the timed mile for the Presidential Fitness Challenge, and uh, that was just something that was always driven me to kind of excel in running. And then, uh, like in middle school, I was kind of on the 400 team, the 4x4 team, and I did the high jump and long jump, so I was kind of, you know, I got established, started running then, and then kind of later on in high school when I joined cross country, uh, it kind of went from the 800 to the mile, obviously all the way up to the, the 5K, um, and I just took that on, and I've been running competitively at a, at a decently high level um, for, I mean, I just turned 35 uh, two weeks ago. It was actually the day before the Carolina Reaper race that you attended. Um, and I've been running probably since I was 11 years old. So uh, it's been, been quite a while, 24 years. So wow. um, I guess really what I wanted to discuss was, you know, the idea that I've been running for 24 years and I hope that I continue running, you know, for the next 24 years. And I think a lot of listeners out there right now might have just started when they were 30, maybe 40, even into their 50s. I think the majority of, of you know, roadrunners nowadays uh, uh, didn't compete or didn't run in high school, which is, which is interesting. But I guess from my standpoint as a coach, and I do coach young uh, young athletes, you know, uh, middle school, elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, as well as young adults. And my goal for them is to be able to uh, just enjoy this sport lifelong. Because just because you're you know six years old and training for your first you know your kids run five k school time mile doesn't mean you can't still be doing that at a very high level or at least in the same enjoyment level when you're sixty six. So really, the only only tip that I have is try to always try to have a training plan that you're comfortable with. That you know once you're done with the plan, you, you don't feel so run into the ground that you're like, man, I can't wait to take six weeks off. You want to build out uh, a training plan that's almost lifelong so you can kind of stay healthy. I'm, I'm sure, Marty, you probably had your experiences with injuries or set, or, or even like this love-hate relationship with running that's caused you to step away from the sport maybe for a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, I, I just, I was one of those late starters. I started when I was 52. And, of course, coached myself through the first marathon and had several times during that training that, you know, I'm one of those people. I may have a plan on paper that I've downloaded off a website or whatever, but I feel like if you follow it to a T, that's one thing. But if you do just a little more, then you get a little bit more results. And so I ended up in the ortho a couple times getting x-rays because with strained calf muscles and things, soleus and things like that because of, of overuse and uh yeah. you know that's that's why i need a coach is because i'm my worst enemy yeah i, I think you know and it's uh you know i'm I've, my uh, everyone has different coaching philosophies and styles you know my goal has always been just to be a more of a consultant uh, uh, of of those training plans, like I and I write training plans for my athletes. Um, but when you see one online, there's nothing wrong with those plans. I, I just think that um, you have to you you can't just take it for word. And just like my training plans, my training plans aren't always going to be the perfect fit for an athlete. You just have to understand your body and what it needs. I can give a basic training plan, the same plan to two different athletes. One could really excel in it because that athlete might be 25, no previous injuries. Uh, uh, core, core strength is good and doesn't have a you know a strenuous 
a mortgage payment with kids. But if I give the exact same plan to someone who's 35 with two kids, a mortgage, uh, a couple injuries because he's aging, you're going to you're going to get two totally different sets of results. So I think it's important as an athlete, uh, as well as a coach, to have an open relationship or open dialogue to say, "Hey, I don't think this is working," or "Hey, you know, maybe I do, do you think I should add this because I've, I've had issues with my core, or I've had issues with the last you know four miles of my half marathon or whatever." Um, I think that's the biggest issue that athletes have is they don't have a third party, um, you know, just opinion. Basically, it's just someone to consult with to. You know, because the information is out there. There's no one's reinventing the wheel. Uh, the internet has given us access to basically every great training plan, training method. It's just having an open dialogue with yourself and with you know someone else who can assist or someone who might have more knowledge just to assist you in reaching the goals that you have. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, even coaches need coaches. We're always, I'm always looking for someone who I guess has more experience or knowledge than me that can give me. Uh, a little bit more insight or just give me a different viewpoint or vantage point or opinion um, to, to, to help guide me as well. So sometimes we, we get stuck in a rut just because we've been in the same mode or same path for so long. Uh, we don't want to see outside the box a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, like I said, we're, no one's reinventing the wheel, but sometimes you get stuck behind this, you know, the same car for so long. Uh, you know, you don't, you know, it's just it feels weird to drive a different one. You're a new athlete. Like, okay, do I, do I issue a new plan or, you know, do I keep going with what I've been doing? You just have to open up the dialogue with your athlete and make sure that they understand, you know, what your expectations are and, and you understand what their goals are. And, you know, the, the plan that you've developed is, is it going to meet the expectations of those goals? Yeah, I agree 100%. When I first started my relationship with my current coach, you know, my biggest problem was I probably had 10 marathons my first 10 marathons were every single one of them somewhere between mile 20 and mile 23 24 i would always get cramps on my inner thighs that muscle in there on the inner thigh and i tried everything and i had other coaches before and i tried everything hydration and salt tabs and you know all kind of stuff and this coach here she really focused on me building up my endurance you know to to knock out the at the idea that it might be fatigue that was causing that but also dialing in my nutrition and food fueling especially liquids and not and kind of diluting those in hot weather and things like that and and we finally got to a point you know i can proudly say that i you know back on memorial day i did 100k and had zero cramps uh and then your race you know which was super hot and uh (laughs) humid and all that and i did that whole race with not one cramp not during the race not after the race and that's huge progress for me because like i said i used to get them on much easier uh days and much easier races you know and 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 thanks to my coach and the communication we've had you know we've hopefully found a you know a solution to that yeah i think that's you know one of the assets of having a coach i think when you look at especially as an athlete you're looking at your training plan or other people's training plans or training plans you see online the, the numbers are pretty much all the same the workouts are all pretty much the same so like there's 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 no set plan that's going to benefit you more than another but i think if you just that that consulting with a, a coach athlete you know communication you know there's things out there the things that you don't see are the things that are probably going to hit you up in the end it's you know it's going to going to slow you down or you're going to start cramping you know things that you're not prepared for the things that you're not aware of everyone knows what the workouts are everybody knows what the long runs are but it's those little things that i think a coach can assist with that that makes the biggest differences definitely well i sure appreciate your help you got any other thing you want to add to that before we close this out 
Yeah, no, it's just, uh, like I said, I appreciate you bringing, bringing us on, Marty. I think uh, uh, we enjoyed having you over there at the, the Reaper Challenge. And a lot of my athletes were there either as, as runners or volunteers. Um, and uh, so it's just good to have a community of runners that, that kind of supports each other. So uh, we appreciate it, Marty, and hopefully we'll get you another one. Uh, thank you. So uh, regarding your coaching, do, are you just an in-person coach or you do it uh, like without a state people virtually? We I've got it. Our youth program meets every Sunday. Uh, That's a local thing. Uh, We do consult with uh, high school athletes, uh, not so much with elementary or middle school athletes, but we do have a consulting program uh, with elite level high school male and females. Uh, But we also coach adults, um, you know, from beginner 5K all the way up to ultra marathon. We provide training plans for them. We'll meet with them uh, once or twice a week and uh, um, kind of give them a a training block based off of, you know, their fitness level and kind of their, their race distances they're training for. Yeah. So all of yours is in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say eighty percent of it's in person. Yes. So you are. So are you available to coach somebody? Like if somebody in Iowa needs a coach, do you do that kind of thing too? We we do, but typically uh, when we're trying to coach out of state athletes that we've never met, like I coach athletes that I know from either high school or college or whatever. Uh, but it's very difficult to coach an athlete from afar. I think that. It requires a special type of coach, and they're definitely out there. They're very good communicators. They're very good with setting expectations uh, virtually, just having that, that verbal or, or texting communication. Um, but, yeah, we, we just don't. That's not something that we look to do. Okay. Well, I understand. Well, that's perfect. Well, this is uh, Matt Hammersmith, and he's with Without Limits Coaching and Upstate Ultras events. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. In this segment, I'm looking back over my races over the last several years and just going to share a little tidbit of adventure or heartbreak or lessons learned from various races that I've done since 2018, which was my first marathon. Flashback to January 2018 and my first marathon. I actually go way back further than that. I did my first half marathon in April of 2017 at Disney and later that night even though I was in pain from doing just 13 miles I signed up that night for my first marathon and the adventure began. I bought a book called Training for Your First Marathon. Shocker there huh? Although many people advised me not to do my first marathon with a goal time, of course I had to be different and I had a goal time in mind. So I chose a beginner's plan with a targeted time. I think that time was 4 hours and 40 minutes. I'll tell you later how that worked out. One of the things I want to share about training for this first marathon was battling and defeating those demons. The plan usually called for like three shorter distance runs during the week and then a long run on the weekend. And during that long run, just about every Saturday, I would be out there solo by myself battling those demons which were saying to myself, why am I doing this? I have nothing to prove. But I made a commitment to run that marathon and by God, I was going to do it. I pretty much checked all the boxes on that training plan and showed up on race day ready to do the thing. During my training is when I discovered the running community, at least the Run Disney community. There was a Facebook group called First Time Marathoners, and it was hosted by a couple of people that had done the Disney Marathon themselves as a first marathon a few years back and thought of having this little community online to support them and give tips and for everybody to network. It was an amazing experience. I met lots of people that were training for their first marathon like me and we got to know each other and we had meetups 
on the morning of our first time marathon. Several of those people are still really good friends to this day. Going into this race, I did not have a Garmin or GPS watch. I think I did have an Apple watch, but I don't believe at that time it was able to keep up with pace and that kind of thing. I used Map My Run app on my cell phone to keep up with pacing and time and that kind of thing. One thing I can share about the few days leading up to the race, I think we got to down to Disney World about Thursday for the expo and all I could remember seeing with all these people that were there for the dopey challenge They were actually doing four races in four days ending on the marathon And I just thought that was completely crazy my first day or two But by Sunday when I left I was super jealous that I was there only to do the marathon That's right only the marathon that medal that the dopey finishers got that afternoon was amazing. The eyes on the dopey were emeralds, or at least some fake stones that looked like emeralds. Anyway, as the race started, and it started very early, I want to say 5 o'clock, 5.30 a.m., which meant a 3 a.m. wake-up call, it was very cold. It actually snowed on us on the way down to Orlando from Georgia, and that rarely ever happens. If you've never done a race at Disney, I think everyone should experience it, especially if you like the parks at all, because you get to run through all of the parks. I remember, I don't know, I think it's five or six miles in when you get to Magic Kingdom, and first you run through those gates at the entry, and that's awesome in itself. But then I think around the six-mile mark, you get to run through the castle, and hopefully you're fast enough to where it's still dark, so it's all lit up with Christmas lights in the dark, and it's just a beautiful sight. I remember one of my first major issues was I pulled my phone out to take a picture of the castle and accidentally paused my map my run app and did not know it and I ran like five miles with that paused. When I realized that I had no clue what kind of pace I was on or how I was looking towards my goal so it just became a priority to me to just finish without dying. The whole race was pretty much uneventful until I got to Hollywood Studios. I think that was a mile, maybe 20, 21, and I started getting some cramps in my thighs. I was definitely on pace to hit that goal time, but that quickly drifted away when I had to do a lot of walking in the last three miles. Crossing that finish line was a game changer for me. I'd never made a commitment to do something that hard in my life, and to actually follow through with it was huge. I actually ugly cried as I crossed that finish line. I finished in four hours and 59 minutes and some change. Marathon number two was the Snickers Marathon in Albany, Georgia in March of 2018. About a week after the Disney Marathon, I signed on with Marathon Training Academy and became a coaching client of Coach Lynn with MTA. She drew me up a plan to shoot for a PR at Albany and I worked hard and I actually did get a 22 minute PR. One thing I will say is I got those same leg cramps at about mile 24, which affected my finish time significantly. I probably could have knocked another five to seven minutes off of my finish time if I was able to run the last two miles. At the Snickers Marathon is where I found out what a marathon maniac was, and so that quickly became part of my goals is to make a run at becoming a marathon maniac in the fall of that year. I picked out three races in three interesting places, registered for them, and talked to the coach and worked out a training plan to do three marathons, and I believe it was 52 days. 
the first of those was Newport, Rhode Island, and I had just gotten a PR on my last race in March, so I figured that it's possible to get a PR every time if you train hard enough. Little did I know that was not always the case. The Newport Marathon starts along the beach and runs along and into the town and then back out around the beach and out in front of the beautiful mansions that line the beaches of Newport, Rhode Island. It's beautiful scenery. It was a little cool that morning. And one thing I noticed, when you get to the halfway mark, the people that are running the halfway point are done, and then you've got another 13.1 to go. And you hear all of those people cheering and finishing their race. So it seems like it gets a lot harder for that second half after having having to run through a split shoot at the halfway point and at the beginning to the second half. After the first half, I was definitely on pace for a PR, but little did I know, I misread that elevation profile big time. The heel were just never ending it seemed like in the second half and I became victim to those same cramps much earlier in the race this time they hit me at about mile 18 and it was a death march for the last seven eight miles of that race it was my slowest marathon to date by far I think I finished with about a 5.30. The next race was early November, and that was the Rock and Roll Savannah Marathon. I remember it starting out really well. It was a nice and cool morning, but somewhere at about mile 20, there's a long out and back on like a highway there, and it just got brutal, and somewhere in there, yes, those dreaded cramps came back again. By this time, I had started doing things to try to address those cramps. I had like four or five bottles of pickle juice that I was carrying on me in my little flip belt, and I drank more damn pickle juice than I did water, I think, and they didn't do me a bit of good. I ended up with a much better finish than Newport, but it still was not satisfactory and nowhere close to a PR. Just about three or four weeks later was the Space Coast Marathon down in Cocoa Village, Florida. My good friend Laura Walker, who was a friend of mine from the firsties that run the Disney Marathon, lived there with her family and also several of the other firsties met there for that race and we had a little bit of a reunion. It was an awesome time, but the race did not go well for me. Same thing, cramps hit me again later in the race and uh, it was a death march to the finish. One thing I can tell you is the coach that I had was very frustrated at the time because she had all these really good suggestions but honestly I would always you know make adjustments to my fueling plan and my hydration plan but just like Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and that's what was happening to me. I would have a good nutrition and hydration plan but once the adrenaline started flowing and I got to running I didn't stick to my plan. I did finish a race and yes I became a marathon maniac shortly afterwards. The next race on tap for me was the Disney Dopey Challenge. That's right. A bunch of us that did our marathon together as firsties decided to do the Dopey Challenge together the following year, and that was a blast. If you're not familiar with the Dopey Challenge, I'll tell you real quick. It's a 5K on Thursday, 10K Friday, half marathon Saturday, marathon on Sunday. It's a very early wake-up call each day. I think you have to be there in the parking lot ready for the race by about 4 or 4.15. So it's like 2.30, 3 a.m. wake-up call four days in a row 
to me that's the hardest part i really went into the races uh, with no pressure just to have fun and man it was a barrel of fun i actually rode expedition everest the roller coaster about halfway through the marathon and that was an awesome experience it added about a mile to my distance on my garmin each morning there were get-togethers and photo opportunities for all the run disney community and i just had an awesome time meeting new people and getting to see people from previous years race the run disney community definitely gave me my first taste of what running community love and support is all about that was january 2019 i didn't have my next race until november of that year and it was a new york city marathon i actually spent the whole 10 months from the disney dopey challenge all the way up to new york city doing heart rate training with my coach and i had big plans to set a pr of course in new york city and of course my legs had other plans for me in retrospect i wish i had not had a time goal for new york city because it is such an epic experience just to be able to run through all five boroughs i had never been to new york city and the opportunity to take that tour on foot is an amazing experience i had my name on my bib and lots of people cheered for me by name not just that but just to be able to experience all the different ethnicities in one city i mean it was just an incredible experience and such an awesome race i loved it so much i actually committed to going back the next year and doing that with a charity and covid hit and ruined everything that brings us to covid 19 in 2020 and for so many reasons that was just a terrible virus but for me personally in my running life it made a huge impact and changed me forever before i tell this story i must go back and tell that i did run a trail race half marathon in january of 2020 about two weeks after the dopey challenge and i don't know why it didn't really have a huge impact on me i had an awesome time but i think the fact that it was so hard for me that there was so much elevation gain for me at the time and uh, just technical trails that it wasn't something that I really took pleasure in. So I jumped back to the spring of 2020 when COVID shut the world down and I was a big baseball fan, sports fan, and uh, there was literally no sports to watch on TV and all of my road races were canceled, even the short ones like the local 5Ks and 10Ks. During that first week when the world was shut down from COVID, I actually had the flu and I had to sit at home from work for almost a full week and there was no sports or anything good to watch on TV. So I started exploring YouTube. It didn't take me long and I discovered Jamil Khoury and Steep Life Media as well as Full Tilt Ward with all of his cool 200 miler videos and also a bunch of really cool ones about western states and from other ultra runners that carry along gopros and do race recaps and race videos i was instantly hooked in that week's time i watched hundreds of videos soon after that week i discovered that there was a race director up in north atlanta that had a trail race coming up of a nine mile distance in late april and i signed up for it a firsties marathoner friend of mine named Julia actually came up from Florida and went and ran that trail race with me, and we both were hooked from there. Within just a matter of a few days after that race, I started searching the internets to try to find the venue of my future first 50K ultra marathon. I decided it would be the Blue Ridge Ultra, a 50K up in Blue Ridge, Georgia, that had 6,000 plus elevation gain, beautiful scenery, and epic trails. That was a great choice for a first 50K. 
It had a generous cutoff, but it was an epic race with some awesome scenery. Too bad when the race came, it was a freaking hurricane coming through, and it was cloudy and so rainy that I couldn't really enjoy the views. Before I mention that race, though, I will say that I did a marathon in Shenandoah, Iowa in September of that year, about a month before the 50K, as a long run that I was able to check off a state. Somewhere over that spring, I had decided that I wanted to be a 50-stater, and Iowa was really my first effort at starting to do that. Plus, it was pretty much the only race that was going on in the fall other than the 50K that I was in that I knew about. No disrespect to the city of Shenandoah, Iowa, but there was nothing really spectacular about that race. It was a nice venue in that it was a rail trail on crushed limestone, and it was a 13-mile out and back, so it was a pretty much a straight line, pretty flat, nicely shaded. The weather was nice in September, and it was good community support, but there was uh, very few people there probably 150 people in the race or so and so it was it was kind of boring i flew into and out of omaha nebraska to go to that race and i did have a very nice steak in omaha on the night of the race so back to blue ridge my wife and i got an airbnb at a log cabin about 15 miles from the starting line and showed up race morning with pouring rain there was a hurricane that had hit the Gulf Coast a day or two before that. I believe it was called Hurricane Delta, and it just happened to be moving through north of Atlanta at that time. It started on Friday night and rained all night and all day Saturday. The race actually starts out on a bridge in Blue Ridge, Georgia, and then it goes about a quarter of a mile on a road and then turns into the woods. I would say the first mile or two is kind of in the foothills of the mountains and so as the rain is pouring down it's kind of washing down the mountains above us and washing right over our feet in the lower elevations. So my feet were soaked in the first two miles of the race. I knew I had some challenging climbs ahead of me so my plan was to power hike the extremely hard uphills and to fly downhill to make up time. There was also a long flat section of logging road that I had planned to make up some time on. During the first five miles after a long challenging uphill climb when we got to the downhill part a dude in front of me fell and wiped out and separated his shoulder and knocked himself out of the race. He slipped on the super slick trail running too fast downhill and it pretty much spooked me from running hard downhill for the rest of the day so my plans had to be adjusted. This race was 31 miles of one big loop, so I didn't have to repeat any part of the trail during the race, and I really dig that format. I had never been to the mountains of North Georgia, at least on foot, and so it was a great opportunity to explore that area, and I really enjoyed it. There were some climbs that were so steep that I basically had to put my hands down in front of me and pull myself upward, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really loved the fact that it challenged me and mentally and physically. I ended up finishing with about a nine and a half hour total time and I was a little disappointed in my time and I feel like I could have done better had the conditions been better, but you play the hand you're dealt. I did finish in under the cutoff and I got my medal and I was super proud of that. October 10th of 2020, I became an ultra marathoner mm -hmm. and I had the ultra bug big time. I registered for and ran the Mississippi Gulf Coast Marathon later that year. I believe it was in December. 
and nothing real exciting to share about that race. I will just as an FYI say it's a out and back. They take you on a bus ride for 26 miles out and then you run back. And one thing that I did not like about the race was the flat. I mean, it was nice that you can run along the coast of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but the bad thing was we were running into the wind for the entire 26 miles. There was not one hill on the entire course. There was like a little interstate overpass that we ran around, uh, which was maybe 40 feet of gain. Other than that, it was super flat, but running directly into the wind uh, made it a little challenging. That particular coast is not necessarily the most scenic and so I don't know that I can really recommend that race as your Mississippi race if you are an aspiring 50 stater although I haven't done any of the other ones yet so I can't really compare it to any I do have one on my radar for next winter over the holidays of that December of 2020 I was able to sit at home on my computer and ultra sign up and found all kind of interesting things to sign up for I signed up for another 50k in Georgia in February and also for the Bryce Canyon 60k on Memorial Day weekend of that year. I also signed up for the Carmel Indiana Marathon in April and the Revel Sun Valley Marathon in June. So I had a busy schedule for the first six months of 2021 and I was excited for it. That February 50k was called the Thrill in the Hills. And as my part of my training leading up to that, I did that same trail half marathon that's about 30 miles from my home that I had done the previous January. This time I used it as a training race, so I attacked those hills like they were going to make me a stronger runner. And it's funny how your attitude can make you be in a better place physically and emotionally. The Thrill in the Hills 50K was at Fort Yargo, Georgia, and it was on a combination of running trails and mountain bike trails around a lake at Fort Yargo State Park. And just like my first Ultra, this one, it was pouring rain too. The only thing different was it was freaking freezing cold and raining. It was 38 degrees in pouring rain, so it was miserable. The only good thing about it I could say was I knew early in the week that the weather was supposed to be bad, so I had plenty of time to buy the right clothing and stuff to prepare as best I could for it physically and mentally. This race only had about half the elevation gain as my first ultra, so I was not really intimidated by that, but the cold rain was a different animal. And the way that those trails were, especially the bike trail parts, were kind of caved in. And with all the pouring rain, it was like most of it was you either run in standing water that is over ankle deep or you run on the side of the trail, which is very treacherous and easy to trip. This race had a 13.1 mile loop that you do twice and then a five mile section added on to do at the end to make the 50K. My friend Kathleen from the Marathon Training Academy met me there and ran the race as her first ever 50K, and she killed it. I ended up finishing at about 8 hours and 10 minutes. I had a nice PR over my first 50K, but I was still disappointed because I felt like I could go real close to 7 hours on ideal conditions. This race was put on by a group called Dirty Spokes, and they do... Uh, a bunch of shorter trail races throughout the year. I think this is their only 50k and I believe there was a half marathon option during that race. One thing of note, if you're a bling person, this is the only marathon 
distance or longer race that I've done that did not give out a medal. They gave out a coffee cup that had no handle on it as a finisher's item. About seven weeks after Thrilling the Hills, I ran the Carmel Marathon in Carmel, Indiana, which is just outside of Indianapolis. One boring night in January, I was looking for a springtime race that I could do to check off another state, and there were few to choose from still at that point because of COVID, and that one popped up, so I jumped right on it. The flights to Indianapolis were not that bad out of Atlanta, so I signed up for it. I believe it was on Easter Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. It could have been the week before Easter, but anyway, it was early April, and it was still very cold in Indiana at that point. It was actually March Madness going on in Indianapolis that weekend. It was weird though. I don't know if it was because it was so cold and windy that weekend or still because of COVID, but there were just not huge crowds downtown like you would expect around the area where they had the basketball games. A fun fact about Carmel, Indiana, it is the city in the U.S. with the most roundabouts. And brother, believe me, there are a bunch of them. During the race itself, we probably ran around 20 or so roundabouts, but there are a whole lot more of them in that town. I don't know the exact amount, but trust me, there's a lot. The race was pretty much uneventful, nothing spectacular or epic to report. I will say I had a great time going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, either the day before or the day after, I forget. And I toured the museum there and took a ride around the track. That was pretty cool. My next race was the Bryce Canyon 60K. That's a race put on by Vacation Races in Bryce Canyon, Utah. We flew in and out of Vegas and spent a couple of days there doing a little gambling and eating all the good food and then rented a car and drove over to Bryce Canyon City, Utah. There's a cool little place there called Ruby's. I believe it's a Best Western. It's surely nothing fancy, but it's a cool little place to say. They had a lot of fun and neat things to do there. The race and expo were closer to Proctor, Utah, which was probably a 40-minute drive from where I was staying, uh, but there's really no close place to stay there unless you camped out. This was Memorial Day weekend, and believe it or not, it was really cool there, especially at night and early in the morning. I think it got down in the 40s, and the highs were maybe up into the 70s during the day. Not too bad, but because it's so dry and so high, it seemed like closer to the sun, it seemed hotter than it actually was. One thing of note, this race started at about, I think, 7,500 feet of elevation. I had never even walked a mile over a mile high before, and so I was not sure how my body was going to respond. It really wasn't that bad. Uh, I did have a few issues, like my fingers were swelling, and I got like a headache-type feeling uh, at some point during the race, and I definitely lacked energy on some of those really treacherous, steep uh, climbs, but uh, I just uh, attest that to it being a tough race on a tough course. This was my first exposure to what I would call the ultra-running West Coast scene. There were actually a couple of ultra-celebrities there. I remember seeing Hayden Hawks at the expo and also seeing later that he won the 50K. I had some epic experiences at this race, the first of which the race starts with about a three-mile uphill climb, and it was really gradual, not too steep, 
and the dirt was kind of soft, almost like sand. So it was a kind of a tough trudge for the first, I would say, two or three miles. And just when you think you're at the top of the hill, there's like a quarter mile section that is straight up. You literally have to put your hands down and kind of crawl up. It's so steep. Right when you get to the top, there's an aid station, and then you got a nice little downhill and the rest of the race. I spent many Sunday afternoons preparing for that first three or four miles by doing my long run and ending up at the gym and doing like a two or three mile power hike on the treadmill at full incline after doing a long run on tired legs. It was good training and I was really prepared for that climb. This was my first race that I actually used a drop bag and of course me the overpacker I had way too much shit in that bag. I had a whole lot of stuff that I did not use. Lesson learned there. A somewhat scary thing that happened to me was about I don't know four hours four and a half hours into the race I had left the aid station at mile 19.5 I want to say and the next stop was I want to say seven miles away and it was just a water refill stop and I had two handhelds that had probably a total of 36 or 38 ounces of water and it was super dry and warm at the time so I drank every drop of it before I got to that water refill station and when I got there it was turned over and was completely empty. That freaked me out. I had another five or six miles to go to the next aid station and no water, no electrolytes, and I was nervous. Uh, luckily, I came across a lady that had a bladder full and a handheld, and she shared a little bit of her electrolytes with me. I don't know if it was tailwind or what it was, but it was some nasty stuff. But it did uh, get me through. Someone had passed word along to the aid station up ahead that it was no water available. And so I came across some dudes carrying some big water jugs to fill that up after about two or three miles. And I was able to get enough water from them to take me to the next aid station. Crisis averted. Lesson learned from that. When in doubt, take the bladder that you have. That's what they're for. And the weight that it gives you is not that bad. The last five or six miles of this race was another case of where I misjudged the elevation profile. I was not prepared with how tough those climbs were. I knew there was some elevation gain there uh, because I studied the chart, but they were a lot steeper than it looked like on paper. <laughs> Final result, I finished the race and I did it under the cutoff time and got that medal and that was my first 60k, so that was a PR. Vacation races definitely put on an awesome race, and I would highly recommend them. I would definitely do more races of theirs if I can find some that are marathon distance or longer in a state I haven't repeated. Until I get a bunch of more states under my belt, I'll probably not do another one for a good while. Although I do have my eye on several of their races, Zion Ultra, which is also in Utah, and also uh, Antelope Canyon, which is in Arizona. One thing I can't believe I haven't already said about Bryce Canyon is the scenery was absolutely incredible. I mean, there are certain parts of it that just brought tears to my eyes because of all the hoodoos and the, the views from the top of the hills or the top of the mountains or whatever. It was just really cool, epic, beautiful, awesome, all the words, all the cool words. Almost exactly four weeks later, I had the Revel Sun Valley Marathon in Sun Valley, Idaho. This was my first ever downhill race, and I had big plans to make a huge PR. 
my wife didn't travel with me on this trip so i made it a quick trip i think i went out on friday and came back on sunday or maybe monday morning but anyway i did stop and see some cool scenery there's a place between boise and sun valley called shoshone falls it's it's a little out of the way but it's definitely worth a little detour to go by and check that out it's it's a beautiful place i caught it when the water was really low so it wasn't as epic of waterfalls as it could be at higher water level time but it was still pretty amazing and then when i got to sun valley it was a beautiful place i could just imagine what it looks like in the winter time with all the snow but in the summer all those ski slopes are green and uh, it's pretty beautiful and epic there if you want to see some cool pictures friend me on facebook i've got tons of pictures on there and instagram I met up with friends Kathleen and Sherry from the Marathon Training Academy and had a nice dinner the night before the race. The morning of the race, you load up on buses and they take you up to the top of the mountain and drop you off and then you have a start. I think the start was spread out a little bit based on expected finish times for social distancing reasons, but uh, we started at the top of the hill and everything went great for about the first 13-14 miles, and that being my first downhill race, I had no idea what was coming with those quad muscle pains, but they came, and they came with a vengeance. I had a few strength training techniques to do before leading up to that race to try to prepare me for downhill running and I also spent a lot of time on some of the longer hills in my running area running hard downhill and easy back up the hill but I was not prepared for the trouble that I faced after about 14-15 miles of going downhill at a pretty stiff pace. It's crazy. The first 10 or 15 miles, I would say, I was on pace for probably a 45-minute PR, and it felt like an easy effort, but by the time I started hurting, it was too late to do anything about it. I plan on going back and making another run at a downhill race out in Vegas next year, but you can bet I will be a lot more prepared for those downhills. I ended up finishing that race with not even a top five uh, marathon finish time for me, but I was glad that sucker was over with. The scenery was beautiful, but the pain was terrible. Revel does a really good job of putting on their races and organizing them. I've got no problem with Revel, just a problem with personal quad issues. Within a matter of a couple weeks after my Revel Sun Valley race, I made a change to a coach that's more based on ultra running goals. I made it abundantly clear all the problems that I had had with my legs and she made it her goal to help me to get that behind me. She started me on a course of serious heart rate training. I had made an attempt at heart rate training in 2019, but I kind of cheated myself in that. What I mean by that is where my goal heart rate might have been 135 to 140, I would kind of cheat and do 145 and uh, that never works out well. You're only cheating yourself. My first race under my new coach was actually one that she was the race director for. It was the River to Sea six-hour race. It was in Florida, just north of Daytona in August, and so it was very hot there. And I had a strict heart rate plan to follow for that race. And it was going to be hard for me because there were people passing me going a lot faster, but I paid close attention to that heart rate. One thing I can say, I didn't break any speed records. Matter of fact, I mean, the paces were slower than any race that I'd ever run. Some of them were around 13-minute miles, 13-20s, something like that. But I ran for the entire six hours and got no cramps and really had no issues with the heat, even though the real field got up to 112 degrees before the end of the race. 
I actually felt so good after the race that after I got a quick shower and cooled off, I stayed and volunteered and helped with the people that were doing the 12-hour version of the race. River to Sea is a short loop race. It's less than a mile. It's mostly shaded, and the awesome thing about it is you get to see the other runners very regularly. So it's a great community race. You get to know everybody there, and everybody supports each other. It's the first time that I really got to experience the Florida Ultra Running community, and I loved it. Those people are so cool down there. Five or six weeks after that, was my first 50 miler scheduled at the Georgia Jewel up in North Georgia. The race started and ended in Dalton, Georgia. Several of my local trail running friends had done this race before and had high praise about the race directors and the organization and the course itself, so I had to do it. This race is on the Pinote Trail up in North Georgia and it's not easy. There's quite a bit of climbing to it and some pretty technical trails. They had to change this race to an out and back instead of a point to point because of COVID protocols. They were not able to use the buses to carry people out to the starting line. So it was a 25 mile out and back to do the 50. The problem with that was there's this tough little section called the rock garden that you had to do twice. And the first time through there, it was before daylight when I hit that sucker and that was tough on me. I haven't really talked about it yet, but I have a tendency to fall on trails, and I went down hard in the rock garden and kind of tweaked my lower back, kind of back just above my glute muscles, and I never could get that sucker to loosen up, and it affected my ability to be able to run, especially uphill. It was only about mile six or seven when my fall happened, and I managed to make it to about probably mile 18 before I really started slowing down, and I ended up missing a cutoff at mile 25, which was the turnaround point. The kind of funny, epic thing that happened to me at this race was I met the sweeper at about mile 24 with about one mile to go to the aid station, and he told me I was supposed to turn around and go back with him. I was hurting for certain, had run out of water, and refilled in a creek. I was so thirsty, and he was asking me to go six miles back the other way to the next aid station, or my alternative was to go one mile to the 25-mile aid station. I said, dude, there's no way in hell I'm going with you. He said, okay, but I can't guarantee anybody's going to be there at the aid station. Uh Uh-oh. I get to the aid station, and it's deserted. No problem. I pull my phone out to call my wife to come pick me up. And guess what? No cell signal. We're in the mountains. I'm on the side of a highway that I don't even know what the number is. I've just run 25 miles in September in Georgia, so I'm sweaty and stinky. I've got a perfectly good cell phone, but no cell signal. And I'm 25 miles from my hotel, at least as the trail runner flies. So I hitchhike. I really didn't even know which direction to hitchhike, but the person that picked me up, I just asked him to drop me off at the interstate, and I figured I could get a cell signal there. I got dropped off at a truck stop about 15 miles north of where my hotel was. My wife picked me up about 15-20 minutes later and that was my Georgia Jewel experience. I've got some redemption I need to go back for there. About a month after Georgia Jewel, I had the Chicago Marathon. It was my first time to ever go to Chicago and it was an awesome race, awesome experience. The weather was a little hot for Chicago. The food was spectacular. Other than that, nothing really stands out about the race.
Most of my memories from Chicago are food. Some awesome deep dish pizza, a really good Chicago dog, and a chocolate cake milkshake from a place called Portillo's, and also an Italian beef sandwich. Other than that, it was just okay. I would probably go back and do that race again if I have plenty of money to pay for that expensive hotel right across the street from Grant Park and also to hope for cooler weather. Next up is Jack's Trail Race in Palm Coast, Florida. This is not a marathon or ultra for me. I did the 25K, but it's worthy of mention because one, it's a hard course. It's a mountain bike course. Two, it's my coach's favorite race. And three, I had DNF the race the year before that, so I went back for redemption. By this time, I'm a seasoned ultra runner, so it should be easy, right? Wrong. This race just has my number. The first loop was not too bad, but the second loop, I fell like four times and I fell hard. It took a lot of grit and mental toughness for me to finish that race. It took me almost four hours to do 25K. It's really not that bad, but it sure has my number. I'm going to go back and do the 50K there one day and get my revenge. My next race was the Space Coast Marathon about a month later. This was a redemption race for me too because I had a terrible outing back in 2018, my first attempt at this race, and so I really wanted to do well. I got to meet up with lots of great friends that also ran that race. And it went pretty well. I didn't really get any cramps except for maybe the last mile. And I had, I think, my second fastest finish time of a marathon. I'm pretty sure the only reason I had any cramps is I was feeling really strong at the start and went out a little bit harder than my coach's plan had recommended. Hard hit it. Next race was New Year's Day Ultra, seven-hour event put on by my coach, Don Lisenby. I had the Dopey Challenge starting five days after this race, so my main plan was to finish without being injured and to take it easy. It probably wasn't the smartest thing to do this race five days before the Dopey Challenge, but I just love that Florida Ultra running community, and I didn't want to miss the opportunity to be with my people on New Year's Day. I'm pretty sure that will be a New Year's tradition for me for many years. It was unusually hot for New Year's that day, but I finished without incident and made it down to Disney a few days later for the Dopey Challenge. This was probably my last year to do Dopey, and I had an awesome time, but it's just too expensive, and I have too many other races that I want to do to spend that kind of money and that kind of time on a race that I've already done three times before. I will always love the Run Disney community for exposing me to that running community love and support, though. Two weeks later, I did the Huff and Puff Trail Marathon about 30 miles from home at a place called Dawson Trails. It was the first year that they had the marathon. The last two years before that were half marathons or the longest distance. And you know me, I like to do the longer races. So I was one of the 19 people that did the marathon that year. I only missed DFL by one person. I ran the entire race in zone 2 heart rate because it was my last long training run before Black Canyon. That was the Black Canyon 60K out in Black Canyon City, Arizona. That was an awesome race. This was my first exposure to the Aravipa running community. And man, they know their shit when it comes to putting on trail races. My buddy Mike Melton, the greatest race timer in the world, told me not to go to Black Canyon without meeting Jubilee Page, the race director. He said she was one of the coolest race directors out there, and he was not wrong. I also got to meet and have my photo taken by Howie Stern, who is an amazing race photographer and not too bad of a runner, they say. 
I stayed in Prescott, Arizona before the race, which happened to be the same town that my old coach, Lynn Grieger, from Marathon Training Academy lived. And so I got to get together with her and her husband for dinner, I think the night before the race. And then she also went over to the race with me and kind of served as my crew, which ended up being very helpful. The day before the race, I volunteered for the 100K and uh, it was just an amazing experience. I'm a member of the Squirrels Nut Butter Adventure Team, so basically I'm an ambassador, and Chris, the owner, had asked for volunteers to work the aid station at Bumblebee for the 100K, and I certainly volunteered to do that, and I got to work alongside Chris and some others that had volunteered to help. I got to meet some really cool people, and I got to see how aid stations and crewing really works at the big events. So for my race, it started at Meyer, Arizona at the high school, and we ran around the track to start the race. It was freezing cold in the morning. I'd say it was probably 40 degrees. That area was probably at the highest elevation point of the race, so that's why it was so much colder there. But as we ran south towards Black Canyon City and the sun rose, it continued to get warmer. My first uh, 18, I think 19 miles were really not bad at all. I made pretty good time. I got through the aid stations quickly, and I made it to the Bumblebee aid station, which is a little bit over halfway at just under five hours. Here I made a couple critical decisions that turned out to be not very smart. I wear prescription glasses, and my sunglasses are prescription, and I can't see up close or at a distance, so I need some type of glasses on at all times, at dark or in the day. So at the Bumblebee aid station, making it there in just under five hours, I figured worst case scenario, it would take me six more hours to make it to the finish. So I decided to leave my prescription glasses and my headlamp in my drop bag, which left me with my prescription sunglasses and no light. I take off out of the aid station and the first quarter mile goes by real well. I got, was running pretty good and then I hit an extreme uphill section that was super rocky and technical and it lasted for several miles. I get to another section and it's even more rocky. So I lost a lot of time power hiking because I was scared to run because I was scared I might trip and fall and hurt myself and not be able to finish the race. I lost a lot of time in that section of super technical uphill terrain. After I get past the worst part of this area and I started running pretty good, I suddenly got a cramp in one of my legs. I'm pretty sure this was an electrolyte induced cramp because it was just so dry out there I just could not take in enough fluids and found myself rationing my fluids in between aid stations several times. I bought this stuff on Amazon called Hot Shot as an instant cure for a cramp and I had never tried this stuff before and I decided to take one of those shots to try to knock that cramp out. Have you ever heard that saying, never try something new during a race? Well guess what? I tried something new during a race. As soon as I swallowed that stuff, my eyes started watering, my mouth started watering, and I knew that I was going to be sick. This poor young lady caught up with me and passed me at the time that I was heaving, and poor thing, she thought I was dying. I embarrassingly told her that I would be fine and let her keep going. I lost every single bit of my nutrition and hydration, and it was quite a while before I was able to take anything else in, but I eventually got better. And the cramps did go away. I will not be trying any more of those shots again. No offense to the company, but it just don't work for me.
Well, I take that back. It worked, but it's not worth it. Okay, so I get to the last aid station. There's 10K to go, and it's about 30 minutes till dark. There's no way I'm making it to the finish line before dark, even if I run every step. And everybody knows that don't happen in ultras in the last six miles of a 37-mile race, especially if your name is Marty, and there's a lot more mountains to climb and rocky terrain to traverse. I borrowed a pen light from a lady at the aid station and off I went. I got to the one and only water crossing in the race at about mile 34 with about two minutes till dark and it was about a little over ankle deep water and when I come up out of that water and came up to the top of the creek I came face to face with a longhorn bull. I actually said holy cow out loud believe it or not. He looked at me and took off running. Well jogging. I think I found out later that he was actually a she. It seems like those cows with horns out there that roam in the desert freely are an Irish type of cow and the females have horns. Not positive about that, but I think I read that. Anywho, it got dark quickly after that and I couldn't see a thing. I had sunglasses on at night with a pin light or either I had to take my sunglasses off and then I couldn't see anything because I'm freaking blind. I just want to point out that I had a really good Petzl headlamp in my drop bag. Did I mention that? With about three miles left to go, I got to a section that was a bunch of switchbacks going up to the top of the last climb, and it was kind of a side of a cliff, and I got nervous about not being able to see too well and falling over. So I decided to pull my phone out and try to call my crew chief and former coach, Lynn. I got her on the first ring, and she actually was able to start heading my way from the finish line, and she met me with about a mile, mile and a half to go, and was able to give me a headlamp. I probably could have still made it, albeit a lot slower because I was having to tiptoe through the dark, not being able to see very well. And keep in mind, this was some treacherous desert mountain territory. But with Lynn's assistance, I had a light for that last mile, so I was able to run it in and have a respectable finish. It ended up being about a 1 hour 60k PR. Nothing to brag about, but I'll certainly take it. Black Canyon Ultra was one of my favorite races to date. I will definitely go back and do more Arrow Viper races. I don't care if it is a state repeat. I actually would like to do the Black Canyon 100k next year, hopefully, as a Western States qualifier, because that's one of my big moonshot goals. I have been in communication with Jubilee Page, the race director, and hope to have her on this podcast soon in the race director's race preview section. I also have been in communication with Howie Stern, and I hope to have him share his story of all his epic races that he's experienced in the near future. Next up in March was the Lake Martin 50 miler. I've already talked about that race in a previous episode. And pretty much recap the whole thing so i will just limit this part of saying it ended up being a 27 mile finish for me i had hydration issues which eventually caused me to get sick and i could not continue so i pulled myself at the 33 mile marker of the 50 mile race and so i they had allowed people to drop down during the race to the shorter distance so i dropped down to the 27 mile finish The race director over there was super cool, and it's an awesome running community over there, and so I'm sure I will eventually go back and get my redemption at Lake Martin. In April was the Big Sur Marathon. I had signed up for it and gotten in the lottery in 2020, and it got canceled thanks to COVID. When the race came back for 2022, I had a preferred status in the lottery, so I took it. I had never been to this part of the coast in California, and man, it is incredible. If you've never been to the Monterey, 
Big Sur, uh, Carmel area, you got to go. I mean, it is beautiful country. The first three or four miles of the race is in the redwoods but once you come out along the coastline every single step is like a screensaver or a postcard i mean i literally was filled with tears many times just because i could not imagine that that scenes like that were real the race itself was not easy there were some long sections that were climbs and the difference between road marathons and ultras is People kind of frown on it if you're power hike all the hills in a marathon. Not so much if you're in an ultra. Plus, I think it's a six-hour cutoff in the marathon, so you can't really power hike all the hills because it's probably six or seven miles of uphill in the race, at least. I would highly recommend the Big Sur Marathon to anybody that was considering doing it. It's an incredible race, super awesome organization, well run, and worth every penny. Moving right along, and I jump ahead to Memorial Day weekend this year, and I had the Three Sisters Ultra Festival 24-hour race. I went into this race feeling extra good vibes because I went to this thing like a reunion called Camp Anonymous and a day and a half before the race and I can't really tell you the details about it because well it's anonymous but I left Camp Anonymous headed to the race on a spiritual mountaintop. My good friend Mike Martinez the sober sombrero runner went with me to be my crew. My ultimate A goal was to get to 75 or 80 miles, but the longest I had ever run before was 39 miles at Bryce Canyon. I had made two attempts at 50 milers at Georgia Jewel and at Lake Martin and had problems at both races, so I really didn't know what to expect after 40 miles. One thing that I did know was my coach knows her shit when it comes to ultra training and I was in the best shape of my life. I went into the race with a good plan for pacing and for fueling and I stuck to it for the most part. My crew chief Mike did an excellent job. The only problems I ran into with him was sometimes he disappeared because he was out trying to help other people. But you can't really fault him for that. He has a servant's heart. This race had 5k loops and it was on a trail. Not very technical at all. Although there were a couple of spots that had some roots sticking up. And yep, I found one of those roots about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and kicked that sucker and went down pretty hard. It immediately caused a big blood blister on the tip of my big toe. And when I got back around to our aid station tent, we had to do some work on that sucker. We popped the blister, taped it up, and back to work on the race. I went through some stretches where I was achy and hurting, and then I would get a second win. But the most important thing that happened, and I had never experienced it before, is after going to a really dark place and being in some pain, I came out on the other side almost refreshed and not really feeling any pain at all. I had heard people talking about getting a full reset, but I had never gone far enough to really experience it. And this was a game changer for me. It really has given me confidence to take bigger challenges. I started having some irritation down on my front right leg down close to my foot and I wasn't sure what was going on there. I actually remember going into the aid station at one point and telling Mike I think I broke my leg. It just felt like it was my bone that was hurting. I could have pushed through and probably made it to 70 or 75 miles if I would have went the whole 24 hours but I got to 100k 62 miles and decided to call it a race. It was my B goal, and with the pain that I was having in my right leg, I didn't want to take a chance and injure myself and knock myself out for the rest of the year because I had already signed up for a 100-miler in December. Three Sisters is an awesome race put on in Maryville, Tennessee, and I highly recommend it. 
I ended up going to the doctor about a week after the race and getting x-rays and I was diagnosed with a stress fracture. He sent me to get an MRI and about a week later, the real orthopedist told me that was a misdiagnosis. You have no stress fracture. So I spent a week unnecessarily in a walking boot, but it was probably a good thing. I was forced to take about a 10-day rest from running and it probably was good for me because I had not rested all year. It took me a few weeks to get back into a swing of things, but I just finished the 50K last weekend that I talked about earlier in the show and felt fine. That does it for my races recap. I've got a few more signed up uh, for the rest of the year. It's the River to Sea, which I've talked about plenty. I've got the TikTok Ultra down in Lakeland, Florida on October the 1st, the New York City Marathon the first Sunday in November, and then the Daytona 100 on December the 3rd. I'm super excited. I may squeeze in another couple couple of races in between there you never know if you have any questions about any of the races that i've talked about shoot me an email or a direct message i'd be glad to answer i really hope this was not too boring for you i really love talking about running and racing and so i thought i would try sharing my passion with you all it's my plan to have some people on from time to time that have done lots of epic races and have them share about some of their favorite races and i thought i would just kind of kick it off with sharing my experience i don't have a whole bunch of them so i just shared about every single one of them Peace, love, and happy running to you all. I want to sincerely thank you for running your miles with Marty today. I know there's a lot of choices out there, and it means a lot to me that you chose to run or ride with me. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, give us a review. Hit that subscribe button and spread the word, just like that running community love. We're on social media at Miles with Marty Podcast, and you can email us at mileswithmartypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Squirrels Nut Butter. Spread the lube at squirrelsnutbutter.com.